Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Jazz are down eight with 642 left in the third. Donovan on a high pick and roll with a white sleeve on his left arm. Underhand scoop to Ingles. Ingles drives, shoves off on Batum. That should have been an offensive foul. Kick back to Donovan. Catch and shoot three. Good. Royce resets Donovan at the top. Donovan's got 18 tonight. Drives on Martin. Cross court to Ingles. In the corner. Three ball. Good. Catch and shoot. Catch and shoot. And catch and shoot. Utah Jazz hit half of their three-point shots, and they rally in the second half to beat the Hornets 114-107. PK, they're 2-0 on this trip. The toughest game, the best opponent is coming up, but that was a gritty comeback there in the second half. It could have gone the other way. Oh, absolutely, Dave. Yeah, that was. Uh, that, was that was a fun game to watch and to see Joe blowing kisses. And it was <laughs> it was similar to the prior game in the sense that Donovan's taken over. I think he had a little more help. It wasn't as as much as Donovan as it was the prior game. But this game, he got some more help. Guys were playing well there. They got down. He never felt like they were totally in a panic situation because they weren't down that much. But they really turned it on. Rudy did his thing. And, and they should be beating teams like this. This is a good sign because they're not beating world beaters of the league by any stretch. But part of the way of accumulating a good record is to beat teams you're supposed to beat no matter whether they're at home or whether they're on the road. It, obviously, it doesn't matter. And they got the job done. I'm, I'm interested to see what they can do tonight because they got a little mojo going. I realize Conley is still out. But let's see what they can do with against a team that arguably and maybe Dallas is in there too, Toronto, but it's one of the surprise teams of the league in terms of how good they are. I didn't think Miami would be as good as they are, but yet here they are and the record says what you are, obviously, and now we're we're approaching a 30-game mark, so this is a legitimate team. They got one of the top five records in the NBA, and they're just percentage points out of second place in the East. Miami is definitely one of the surprise teams in the league. Very impressive start for them. And for the Jazz, this would be their best win in the streak. They won five in a row, six out of seven, but they've basically been beating teams with losing records. They're supposed to beat them. They've mostly done that, and now can they beat somebody good? Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, stay with this altered routine with the bench here because Quinn Snyder, before he got kicked out, Quinn Snyder played all the starters 35 minutes or more, and Joe Ingles played 39 minutes. Those those are enormous minutes for the starters, and you can't help. It's just like, all right, hey, it's a few less minutes of the bench. That's where the problem has been. And the bench was okay there at the end of the third start of the fourth quarter. They got through that stretch, and that helped them uh, helped them reel Charlotte in. I was curious if Charlotte was going to pull away then, and they weren't able to do it. So, But we'll see. Playing all your starters 35 to 39 minutes, that's a big load. Wouldn't expect them to keep doing that night after night. Oh, yeah, that's totally a big load. And Tony Bradley got some more minutes over Ed Davis. So we'll see if that continues. With these starters playing that many minutes, that's why it makes me think that something is going to be done, that it's not going to continue through the rest of the season. Yeah, Bradley came in and played three minutes in the second half. Ed Davis didn't get off the bench there in the second half. But three minutes isn't very long. He was in for three, and then he was out again. As far as that... uh, 
As far as Quinn getting kicked out, if what he was upset about was that collision, I thought that was the proper no call. And that maybe there was, he was clearly upset over the course of the game about other stuff. And then that was the thing that caused him to blow his top. And maybe there was something behind the ball I wasn't aware of. But it was still entertaining to see him go. Yeah, I think it wasn't literally the collision. I think there was just some, some stuff leading to that, or before that, I should say. I think that was his issue. And I was watching the post game. <laughs> And one of the, uh, I don't think it was a local guy, one of our local media, it was somebody else who asked him, uh, you know, what, what was up with uh, you getting kicked out? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And he smiled and he says, well, you know, obviously I didn't like some of the calls. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz and Heat tonight, 5.30 tip, 4.30 the pregame show. Right here on Zone Sports Network. Also, Salt Lake City Stars won the G League Winner Showcase. Uh, they were celebrating. The Stars get to split 100 grand. That was a pretty good celebration. They were pretty happy about that. I know they're talking about doing a, you know the million bucks for the in-season tournament they're considering for the NBA. But those guys make so much more money. I mean, by percentage, this is a much bigger deal for Stars players. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. We never expected, you know, to lose three in a row. You know, we didn't expect to lose two in a row, you know, but we got to, it's not going to get any easier. I mean, we got a tough one, you know, coming up in two days. So uh, we got to get back into the gym and work on our defense and make sure we're ready to go on Christmas Day. The Lakers lose their third in a row. That's Anthony Davis after the 128-104 loss to the Denver Nuggets. No LeBron James. A ribcage issue, a groin issue. So a little day off to get him a little healthier, get him a little rest. And without him, and his MVP candidacy gets pumped up, PK, because without him, they get crushed by Denver. Yeah, well, when you look at the Lakers without... LeBron and Anthony Davis is your guy, doesn't it basically become the Pelicans again? Yeah, I thought that during the game. That without LeBron, they're going to be about a 500 team. But this is supposed to be just a one-game deal. Sources, love that, sources say he'll be back for the Christmas Day showdown with the Clippers. Clippers also got beat. They could be Well, I, I hope so. Yeah, right. It's a marquee game. You want the stars there. It, it would... Uh, It'd be disappointing if you didn't get that. Everyone's been looking at that since the schedule came out. and They could end up 1-2 in the West. We'll see how it shakes out. The Clippers kind of in a pack there with uh, not much separating 2 through 6. Mavericks had a 30-point lead, but Kyle Lowry went off, and the Raptors came all the way back to win that. The Mavericks uh, now just a game in front of the Jazz. Everybody in the West vulnerable. If your best player goes down, that whole next man up thing. Uh, somebody said, I don't know who it was, somebody said that about LeBron. Next man up doesn't really work when you're talking about LeBron. Next man up doesn't work when you're talking about Luka Doncic. You don't have another one of those guys lying around. No, you don't, but except this, you know, the Raptors, or the Raptors, the Mavericks were feasting on an easier schedule early in the year, and now the schedule in December was supposed to get much tougher, and it is much tougher, and you lose your best player. That's obviously a significant blow, but the Mavericks actually 
they're staying in the thick of things without their best player. It's not like they've lost every game. They've been, go back and look, they've beaten some quality teams without Doncic, which gives you a sign. And they did have a 30-point lead against Toronto. How many times are you going to blow a 30-point lead? I don't know how many times people teams blow 30-point leads. How many times has that happened in the history of the game? I don't know if Elias has any numbers on that. So I realize they lost the game, and that's all that matters. But I have actually been impressed with them without Doncic. They have gone uh, three and four in their last seven games, but your point about the schedule getting more difficult. In that stretch, they have uh, lost the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Heat, who are obviously good teams, but they have also beaten the Bucks and the Sixers. Now, those are quality teams right there. So uh, the yeah. schedule has gotten tougher, and they've been playing 500 just ball. I guess the surprise in that stretch uh, where they've gone three and four, the one game you wouldn't expect is they lost to Sacramento 110-106. But... Other than that, uh, pretty good work by them. Shorthanded playing a tougher schedule. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. So college basketball, the Aggies get a good win over Florida in the Orange Bowl Classic. Sam Merrill goes for 21 and Utah State improves to 12-2. and two. So neutral court wins over South Florida. And Florida will end up seeing uh, how good those teams are in their conference play and how many uh, how much that helps the Aggies. But on the surface, that looks like a really good week for Utah State, PK. Oh, totally. They have a pretty good team, man. I'm expecting them to contend. Now, San Diego State's out there in the Mountain West, so you can't say, oh, they're going to roll in the Mountain West, not by any stretch. Obviously, the Aztecs took care of the Utes easily the other day, too. But the Aggies are set up, and it's looking like they should contend. And it looks like uh, the Mountain West has pretty much been known uh, most of the time as a multiple-team bid. So as far as the NCAAs, I think they've got that opportunity to take care of it, even if they don't win the regular season or the conference uh, tournament down there in Vegas. Yeah, the question is the league uh, in the uh, early days was mostly a three-bid league. It's been more two-bid right. lately. And San Diego State obviously looks really good. They're 12-0, and and I mean that was a 28-point win over the years. They just crushed them. The Aggies are 12-2, and and the Lobos are 12-2. and Are the Lobos for real or a paper tiger? You know, they play a lot of home games early. They don't tend to play away much, and this year's no different. Uh, they played 9 of 14 at home, and guess what? They're 9-0 at home, 3-2 yeah. in all the other games. So we'll see if they're a legit third team. And other than that, it doesn't really look like anyone else would be a third team. So it could be a two-bid league again. It could be the Aggies and Aztecs, and we could be knowing that well, before Chris. Well, keep your eye on San Jose State. Why? <laughs> I don't know why. Just oh, keep your eye keep on your them. Keep your eye on them. Yeah. Because they're 3-10, and 10 and the magic could happen. <laughs> uh, BYU, 30-point win over Weber State. Yoli Childs with a big game. Hawes with a big dunk that got the bench going nuts. And... Uh, BYU now 10-4. And, and Christmas stockings for Mark Pope. A little something you can wear when you're going to write a bad article about him. Who's, who's writing or saying anything bad about him? Mark Pope, uh, you know, he's, a, he's bringing enthusiasm into the program. Whatever he's drinking, he needs to continue to drink more of it because he has been a little bit of a breath of fresh air, and he's re-energized. Not that the program was uh, in a bad spot, but obviously with Dave Rose, Jeff Call has a big story about uh, Dave Rose and his wife Cheryl in the Deseret News. It's really good. You should check it out. And Pope here has, bring, has brought some new life to the program. And they're looking good right now for sure. 
And I think the one thing that's really jumped out at me is they just they continue to defend. They continue to to continue to limit teams. You know, there were so many games where BYU was trying to outscore a team. You know, eighty-five, eighty, or something like that. And we're seeing them hold teams. Now the U game did get away from them. That was one of those games, and they lost that one. But uh, sixty-four points in that win over Utah State. Sixty-one in the win over Weber State. Uh, they absolutely locked Nevada up. So, defensively, they're doing something right. We'll see if they uh, sustain that as they get into conference play. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Jordan Love, straight drop back. Waits, waits, waits. Stepping back in the pocket, rolling out to the left. Looking for somebody to clear. Finally throws. Wide open, caught. Is he into the end zone? Yes, touchdown Utah State. Dixon in motion. Crumb fakes to him. Will roll. Shovels it off. Caught by Dixon. Flashes touchdown. A high-scoring affair in Frisco, and the Aggies get beat. Kent State wins their first bowl game ever. Utah State's defense couldn't get stops. I thought the special teams were part of the problem. But the biggest problem, PK, they could not stop the quarterback run game. From scrambling out of the pocket to the whole zone read and the quarterback keeping the ball, that was that was a mess. Oh, yeah, defensively? Yeah. I was wondering why they were punting because it's like, okay, if you're going to punt from your 40, it's going to take the Golden Flashers about two plays to get right where you punted from. And sure enough, Crum running around like crazy. It was amazing. I, yeah, I watched them play a little bit early, early in the season. They played the Devils, I think, on, on yeah. a Thursday night too. So uh, this kid looked awesome. I don't think he was a quarterback at that point, and he looked awesome. It was very disappointing for Utah State's defense. I know they're missing a couple guys with injuries, but still, uh, I was surprised it was that easy for Kent State to roll up that many points. Crum throwing for 289 and running for 147 yards, and there were a lot of missed tackles mixed in there. That was part of the problem. So the Aggies finished 7-6. Jordan Love uh, did finish on a high note individually. Threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. He's off to the NFL. And for the Aggies, 7-6 just doesn't feel that good anymore. That feels like a low watermark. Uh, You know, if they win a game or two down the stretch there, they could have been sitting on eight or nine wins, and it would have felt really different. But 7-6, that ought to motivate you in the offseason because... That's not good enough. Well, listening to Gary afterward, that's absolutely what he was saying. Yeah, this is not where they want to be. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. The Chris Peterson era comes to an end the same way it was for the entire six years. A complete success. And it ends the same way it was so many times throughout his tenure on Montlake as champions, champions of the Las Vegas Bowl. Thank you, Chris Peterson. Washington wins the Vegas Bowl, and they do it pretty easily, 38-7. Now, who wants some staff changes, PK? Well, Jimmy Lake's the new coach, and he made changes right off the bat. That came out yesterday. Obviously, the game was two days ago, and he's basically overhauling the offensive staff, at least with two new guys, including clearly the coordinator. I don't know who Jimmy Lake has been uh, associated with over the years, but maybe he's got something to go in there. And, you know, Boise State didn't look good. But the, the, the one thing that jumps out at me was, you know, Boise's going to be, oh, they were a fraud. They're not that good, right? Well, Earlier in the week, they lose their offensive coordinator to Arizona State. And as I'm watching this game, I'm thinking, couldn't that guy 
wait just a few more days? Couldn't he start the job today? I mean, why did they have to do this in college football? I, I just don't understand it. You know, these guys been with the guys the whole time, and then the Devils hire him, and he takes off. Well, well what is it? The Devils are playing for the Sun Bowl, right? I mean, they, and bowls are bowls. Fine, you want to win them. And, and their two best players are not going to play on offense because they're going to prepare for the draft. So it tells you the game really doesn't matter. But do we need the, the coordinator to leave? Couldn't he have waited five days? You see what I'm saying? It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And then the kids aren't there to have, or they're, they're there, but the coach isn't there. And why do we have to do this? It's just something that I'll never really understand. With the early signing date, it seems like that class was already signed. What was the rush? I mean, that was the big thing to do. He's not going to impact the other bowl game. He's not the guy. Right. He's right, because no he's not even going to coach right. the. the yeah. He's not going to coach in the Sun Bowl. You don't bring in somebody who hasn't been there all season, and then three days. Okay, he's the coordinator. It just, it just doesn't really make any sense to me. But there's good news, Dave. What's that? Finally, and I knew it would happen. Finally, we can say the Utes beat a team that won eight games this season. Ha <laughs> ha ha! Washington improving to eight and five. Yes. Yep. You're right. There it is. Uh, a lot of BYU opponents playing in bowl games because uh, BYU played both Washington uh, and Boise State. And they also played San Diego State, who blew out Central Michigan. And they played Liberty, who beat Georgia Southern. So, bowl teams all over the place there on the Cougar schedule. And then Friday night... Uh, Saturday. Oh, excuse me, it was Saturday. It was Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Weber State... Uh, lost to James Madison, 30-14. to 14. Didn't really feel like they were in it. They got that score right before the half. And even then, they couldn't hold on to the momentum. When James Madison went down the field and scored, I, I felt like it was all over right there before halftime. Yeah, that was, so, that was, uh, that was not a big-time Hail Mary, uh, but it was along the lines of a Hail Mary. And once they scored that one, yeah, what, that put it up 24-7. Yep. Yeah, all right, this puppy's over. Yep, Weaver uh, did not have enough of an offense to get 24 points on that defense in the first half. That was that was a big time accomplishment for James Madison. They're on to the final. It could have been an all Big Sky final, but Montana State got beat too. So it'll be no teams from the Big Sky in the final. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Nobody has ever said it better than Mike Thomas did himself. You simply can't guard Mike. 144 receptions. Mike Thomas is your new single-season record holder. The Saints setting records, scoring points. You know, a lot of teams down 14-0 on the road would be a problem. And Tennessee is playing for uh, the last wild-card spot in the AFC. They're motivated. It's 14-0 after quarter. And the Saints just roll back and crush them 38-28. Yeah, they got Taysom Hill, though. I mean, it's not it's not fair for the rest of the teams. Uh, we'll get to that. We've got BYU and Utah fans hitting each other upside the head over Taysom Hill. But he, <laughs> <laughs> the game was in the balance. It was a three-point game, and he ran for a first down, and they threw to him on the next play and got down inside the red zone. And he didn't score a touchdown, but he contributed. Contributed as they like to say in England. And the Saints win, and the Saints got a little help. The Saints and the Niners and possibly the Packers, if they take care of the Vikings tonight in the Monday night game, will all be even in the race for the number one seed in the NFC and home field advantage. But the Seahawks back up with a loss to your Arizona Cardinals, 27-13. 
That was disappointing. The Seattle offense losing their left tackle, two running backs, the game. And by the way, Russell Wilson's MVP candidacy, seven touchdown passes in the last six games. Hand that thing to Lamar now because he's going to win it. Heck, Breeze will probably finish second in front of Heck. Heck. <laughs> oh, we were celebrating in our household. You man. should have been. I, I go back, and a lot of people don't know this, but I go back to uh, Jim Hart and Conrad Dobler. I mean, that's how long I've been a Cardinal fan. Conrad Dobler. Dirty lineman. Pulling arms, twisting legs, biting people down there. Larry Wilson, the former Ute. I used to have posters of him on the wall when I was growing up. Nice call there, Larry Wilson. Good work. (laughs) The Ravens did lock up the top spot in the AFC. And just when I thought the Patriots might be in trouble, why did I think that? What a stupid thing of me to think. They pull it out against the Bills, closing in on a first-round bye. What was what was dumber for you? You made a big deal about the freaking weather in the Pac-12 title game. I kept telling you we're going to be a regret. You made a big deal about Utah beating Kentucky, and you told me the Patriots were going to lose. You're on quite a streak now. I've had some wins mixed in there, PK. You don't have to just single out the losses. Right. You did say the Jazz were going to beat Charlotte. You got me there. Thank you. And Orlando and Atlanta. I would say uh, the Patriots were the dumbest of those three. Weather guys get to miss on the weather all the time, so I'm not taking that just because I miss on the weather one time. I'm definitely not taking that one. I mean, the Patriots had a long history of success against the Bills. They just don't bet against Belichick. What was I thinking? Don't bet against Belichick and Brady. I told you. I know. I know. I know. All right, Monday Night Football. You can hear it here on The Zone tonight. Uh, the Packers and the Vikings. That's going to be on 1280 The Zone. The Jazz and the Heat over on 97.5 The Zone. That's what is trending. It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right. It is time now to welcome in Andrew. Andrew, what are you up to? Oh, bright and early here. Bright and early, baby. (laughs) Andrew, the Wasatch Medical Clinic, a new breakthrough treatment for ED. Yes. Erectile dysfunction. Um... We have heard a lot about this lately. There's so many guys out there struggling. Um, If you are listening to this, you have erectile dysfunction or things are slipping in the wrong direction, it can be frustrating. In fact, it can wreak havoc on a relationship. Um, You, your partner, everybody. Uh, We have seen some great things. I think we're probably the first clinic in maybe the country that has addressed the problem head on. Um, Younger guys coming in. Uh, you know, we're seeing guys in their 20s and 30s all the way up into their 90s. And uh, a lot of guys getting a solution to the problem. Um, you know, when the pills don't work, the side effects are so nasty. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call at the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And for people, we have people listening who work all kinds of shifts. What are yep. the hour, How many days of the week? What are the hours like as far as getting in? 801-901-8000 if you want to set so up an So we're there six days a week. Um, and we do 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The doctor's there every day. So if you're interested in coming in to see the doctor, it's really flexible. If you want to get started on treatments, I mean, we have guys doing treatments at 645 in the morning. So um, typically a guy will do a few treatments with the acoustic wave 
wave therapy over maybe a two to three week period. Um, it's not something you have to repeat. It's the first and only thing that treats erectile dysfunction uh, from kind of the root cause uh, perspective. 801-901-8000. That's the number for Andrew Reinhardt at the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. This girl that I had been on some dates with got me a Michigan State Build-A-Bear. And I had the most awkward moment ever. The way me and my family have always operated, I was honest with her then. As you opened it? I was as nice as I could no, be about not it. impossible. Yes, I was. There's no nice way I to said, do this. I thank you so much. You are absolutely awesome. I appreciate the effort. Let me explain something real quick. Uh, so we are we are Michigan fans. <laughs> Yeah, right. Michigan. I don't know. This, this is um, this Michigan State. This is a different. And I said, it's no big deal. I was like, don't feel bad. don't." Be. And then I was the biggest jerk that's ever lived. And how would you have handled this? That's I w- what I want to I, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I flat plane wouldn't have. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. All right, PK, watching the NFL yesterday. A lot of people saw the Taysom Hill highlights. That leads to the question, our question of the day on the Facebook page. Hill continues to impress the world with his incredible versatility. BYU fans obviously love it. In honor of Hill, what pro do you love the most from your favorite college team? Ryan jumps right in with Damian Lillard. I don't know if you guys are looking for football-only answers, but I love Damian. Slam dunk for Weber State. Yeah? Easily, Damian Lillard. Scott posts. Oh, yeah, they don't. Oh, go ahead. They don't have that many, and obviously Damian Lillard is a star. Scott posts uh, the best Utah college football NFL player by a wide margin. He's got Bobby Wagner flexing and screaming after a big play against Philadelphia. And he says, the other thing I love is that this drives PK crazy. Not Bobby individually, the concept. Yeah, not Bobby individually, the concept. Yak was in there making a face like, why does Bobby Wagner bother PK? <laughs> Bobby Wagner doesn't bother me. I, I enjoy Bobby Wagner playing. I enjoy the story of Bobby Wagner. I enjoy the story of Taysom Hill. Not that Taysom Hill was an under-recruited guy. He wasn't an under-recruited guy. But the fact that he had these devastating season-ending injuries in college, every time he turned around, his season was being sabotaged by an injury, usually by a Utah State guy. And so he stuck with it, stuck with it. I don't ever think he's going to be a big-time NFL quarterback, but his athletic ability we've spoken about a million times is incredible. So to me, just about anything he does on the on a football field, I'm not surprised because he's got very very rare athletic ability. And in the Bobby Wagner story, you know, these under recruited guys coming out of high school, going to Utah State, and then not just playing in the NFL but pretty well starring in the NFL for a number of years. Now, he's one of the guys who's bridged the gap between the Seahawks Super Bowl runs of a few years back to where they are now. And outside of yesterday, you would have thought that, oh, well, they can have another shot. Well, who's to say they still don't have another shot? I mean, obviously, it was a disappointing loss at home to the Cardinals, but they still have a very good record. So he's one of the guys who was there before, and he's one of the guys who are there now. And I would assume, I don't know what Seattle does, 
Ring of Honor or Jersey retirement and all that stuff. When he's done, he's going to be in that category because he has been a mainstay for those guys, and he wasn't all that, these five four-star kids coming out of high school. So who doesn't love a story for their own individual reasons like a Taysom Hill and a Bobby Wagner? So we got a lot of people weighing in here. You can tell their favorite school right away. I didn't expect this one, but once I saw it, I thought, well, absolutely, why not? Jeremy says, Josh Allen. He's got the Bills. Josh Allen's another yeah. story example. Yeah. He's got the Bills at 10-5. and five. They're in the playoffs. They'll probably beat the Jets 11-5. and five. They've, had a, uh, they've had a shortage of double-digit win seasons and playoff bids around there the last couple of decades. So like two trips in 17 or 18 years to the postseason. He's probably thinking this is a similar experience, only with more fans. I was in a place where it got really cold and snowed a lot, and we were sort of off the beaten path in college. And now I'm in the same situation here in the NFL. And, you know, years ago with Jim Kelly, the Bills were good, but it's been a good long while, and it's really cold. They've got more fans now, but similar situation in terms of being overlooked as a franchise. The Bills now, not years ago, but now. And that's exactly what he had at Wyoming, people weren't clamoring to watch Wyoming, and he got them to have some success, and now here, you know, it's it's always a controversy with quarterbacks if they don't come from a big-time school. How good are they going to be? Well, the reality is they can come from a big-time school and still not be that very good in the pros. You really, you never really know. So the school and the level of competition sometimes really, and a lot of times, has no bearing on how good the guys are going to be because we can name a number of quarterbacks over generations, not just particular to a specific era, but over a generational period, multi-generational periods of guys who came from smaller schools and started in the NFL and other guys who came came from high, high-profile schools and did nothing in the NFL. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing to try to figure out who's going to be a really good quarterback and who isn't. Drew Brees, Purdue. Don't really think of them as a powerhouse, do you? I mean, they are a Power 5 team and Big Ten money and all that, but... Uh... Don't denigrate Joe Tiller's good name. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the Purdue, <laughs> I mean, just trying to follow in the footsteps of Mark Herman was very difficult for Drew Brees. Nice. Well done. Uh, so not all BYU fans are rallying around Taysom Hill, although he's the guy who launched no? this. No. No. Tom and Kevin both uh, said Fred Warner. Maybe they're Niner fans, too. You know, that might, uh, that might bias them a little bit. Yaks in their fist pumping right now. <laughs> Fred Warner, he's on the come. And also we've got uh, Kyle Van Oy's shout-outs coming in. KVN, he's the guy. Uh, Steven says, even now, if he does Van play Noy, for the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any problem of who they play for because I don't like or dislike any NFL team. None of them matter to me. They're all the same. They're all entertainment or entertainers as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but Van Noy is one of the dudes who came in with a lot of hype, lived up to the hype in college, and then, for whatever reason, didn't live up to the hype in Detroit. And you start thinking, okay, well, he's going to be a little bit of a bust. You know, they traded up second round, if I remember correctly, to get him. 
and then it didn't happen, and then Belichick decides it's like one of those games, like at Dave and Buster's, you know, you put your money in, and you got the big handle, and it's got all these stuffed animals, right? And you got to go try to pluck <laughs> one out and get it in to where it gets in the basket, and then you get to keep it, you know right. what I mean? I walk right so past. So there's all ah, these stuffed no. animals there. I walk right past those. I hate those and things. <laughs> Belichick is trying to figure out he's got his money and he sees the one he wants but it's buried down in there but he's going to stay with it and he's going to get that handle and he's going to open it and it's going to latch on to that uh, tiger or to that cat whatever he wanted and he saw that and he pursued it and he gets it out and then he brings it home and puts it on the mantle gives it a nice warm home by the fireplace and it just sparkles that's Kyle Van Noy it's an incredible story that Belichick did to go get this guy. I don't even remember what they gave up for him now. I'd have to go look it up. And plucked him out of obscurity when it wasn't going well. And it was barely into it. And remember, he got hurt. He was on that injured, the new version of the injured list, which they put you on the eight weeks. And his rookie year, he didn't play the first two months. He was injured. We used to have him on each week. We had a deal set up with him, and he didn't play until November. And it's like by week seven, we got no questions for you, Kyle. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're not playing. And then he goes to um, New England, and he just blows up. That's a great story, too. And when you look back at the trade, it was Bill Belichick just picking somebody's pocket again. Because New England shipped a yeah. sixth-round pick. In exchange for the Lions' seventh-round pick in Vinoy. So basically, they didn't even give up a pick. They traded down a round from the sixth to seventh round to get Vinoy. Thanks, Detroit. Wow. And they used it on a quarterback who doesn't yeah. play in the NFL anymore, Brad Kaya from Miami. The Lions. Jeez, can you imagine Vinoy getting out of jail? <laughs> Purgatory in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. Goodbye, Lions. Hello, Patriots. Yeah. And what has he got, a couple of Super Bowls already? <laughs> yep. That's a classic worst-to-first story right there. <laughs> yeah, so even if Brady retires here soon and they go through a rebuilding fra- phase, is it, well, okay, Van Noy would have experienced some glory already. So even if he doesn't say they say Brady retires this year and the next year, although I don't doubt that they wouldn't be good again as long as Belichick is there, but they may not be to that level, and say they don't make the playoffs for three or four years as they regroup, well, it would suck. But at the same time, Van Noy will experience the best of times. He's already got that in his back pocket. Yeah, to uh, walk out of college. If, if you tell somebody then that as they walk off the field in the last college game, you're going to have two Super Bowl rings. Who doesn't sign up for that? Who says, nope, I don't want the two. Yeah. I'm going to bet on three. <laughs> Nobody. And plus, he had the problem, and he had to sit out the first year. We love those stories, don't we? I don't care if he's a BYU guy, but he stayed with it. You know, he didn't give up. He had some problems. They had him had to sit out his first year before he could enroll. I think he enrolled in January after the season. So he stayed with it there, and he made himself something and turned out to be a really good player for the Cougars. Plus, he's one of those dudes I always, and I told him this, I always appreciated interviewing him because he always spoke the truth as he saw it. Whether it was good or bad, he was going to tell you what he thought. He wasn't going to give you cliches in a response. If you asked him a question, 
he was going to give you an answer, a real answer. And I, I told him a few years back that I always appreciated that. And then he comes from an adoptive home, and he's done a ton of work with adoption and foster kids. And there's this, there's this dude in the community. He's a total SOB. People think so. <laughs> and he's been involved in adoption and foster care. And so he knows what Van Noy is talking about here, man. And so he can relate to that a little bit. We won't mention his name, but a lot of people think he's a bad, bad dude. You guys know him, right? And, you know, it's all about him. Everything he does, it's all about him. In fact, he he got a thing to where uh, he put out when, when Cragthorpe retired. This is something that uh, he put out on, on Twitter. And he said, hey, man, it's uh, good for Kurt uh, to retire. And he said, uh, and remember, you know, was, if it's not for you, Kurt, and parents, the guy wouldn't be there. And the guy, another guy responded on Twitter, why is it always all about you? You're so arrogant. <laughs> when he went to congratulate Kurt for a great career. So you know what I'm saying there, DJ? I, I have an idea, yes. I have an idea, or 47 of them. Yeah. Yeah. We should so get that guy on the air. Annoying. We should get that guy on the air. And uh, have him and have I'm him on, on with Kyle. <laughs> I'm on it. And have him, Kyle, because those guys. There's a lot to learn about uh, foster families and adoption. I mean, in all seriousness, there is a lot to learn. It's it's fascinating. It's interesting. How do people work? Why do people work the way they do? And um, hearing some of the stories, because I have a lot of adoption stories in my extended family, has made me go back and kind of check those out. And those stories are all, they're not all the same. They're all over the map for one reason or another. It's interesting if we could get that guy to open up about that sometime. But, you know, that's for another day. Yeah, maybe in the years to come. Hey, Stephen, uh, Stephen did it. Finally, because there was all this, when I saw you post the question, and you probably post 90 or 95% of the questions in DJ and PK on our Facebook page. And when you posted this, I thought, man, we are going to get some back and forth over, uh, over Taysom out of this. And what we got was a lot of what we've read here. You know, Van Oy and Warner and um, Damian Lillard. And, oh, I haven't read them, but there's a bunch of Eric Weddles in here. Ute fans are all about Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle's getting a ton of shout-outs. They should have gotten to them. But finally it happened. Sure. Someone took a shot at Taysom Hill. Steven, who I assume is a, is a Ute fan, 11 yards rushing and 20 yards receiving. Not a lot to get excited about. So now you got the angry emojis, you know, the ones that are orange and red with the pouty face, right? And Jacob goes back at him with a big old dose of stats, the kind of stats that make Greg Rubel, David Locke, and I want to go to lunch and talk numbers, okay? 968 all-purpose yards. 36 first downs and eight touchdowns since the start of last season. Not bad for a third-string quarterback. <laughs> and then the 36 first downs in 32 games, so roughly one per game. Again, not that impressive. And then they're off. It's back and forth. It gets ugly. They start saying stuff you can't read on the radio. Why does one guy playing football in Louisiana generate that much passion? I mean, he's a guy every— He does. There's so many kids who go sign up for, well, youth football or flag football or whatever. They're, maybe they're just playing in the backyard with their, their brothers or what. I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. Everybody wants to play in the NFL. One in a million actually gets there. So he's living the dream good for him. And now we got two guys on Facebook lighting each other up. What are you guys doing? What are you doing? Uh, it's a rivalry, as you say. <laughs> I actually think that 
Taysom is underutilized. That he should be in there every snap somewhere different, lined up as a tight end, then a slot receiver, then a running back, and then out, out wide throwing a double pass, then back under quarterback running an option? I mean, every snap might be extreme, but I think he can do more. Yeah, I think they could line him up as a tailback. Maybe they don't want to have him get hurt. I don't know what, what their thinking is there with uh, He's pretty uh, the coaches. Big for that. But couldn't he be an NFL running back? Would he surprise you if he was an NFL running back? A no. little bit because they like guys. I mean, he has the athletic ability, the combination of power and speed. But in the NFL, they tend to like mostly smaller guys with a lower center of gravity. Maybe he's more of a fullback and sure. they should be using him in the red zone when they, you, know, you need a yard, right? That last yard is worth four points. So maybe he could get that. Who was it? You and I were just interviewing somebody who... Oh, it was a youth tight end. It was Keithy. We were up there. And he was saying he knew in the recruiting process everybody was going to recruit him as a tight end because he was too big and basically had too high a center of gravity to be a running back. And nobody really was going was gonna to take him there. Once he got over 60... Yeah, I'm not talking about a over. full-time running back. Yeah. But I think he could carry the ball out of the backfield. When we come back... Taysom Hill's, independent of this conversation, Taysom Hill's name came up at the University of Utah football facility. Why it did, what the point was, we'll get to that next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A question of the morning in honor of Taysom Hill. What pro do you love the most from your favorite college team? And we got people still uh, still loving retired players. Siona said Steve Young. Aggie fan Dan says J.C. Young, an all-timer. Yeah, all-timer. J.C. Carroll. He's still really good for Real Madrid, and I still love him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Aggie fan forever right there. And Alex Smith. J.C. Carroll, he was a great story, too. Because? J.C. Carroll, well, I mean, he ended up being the all-time leading scorer for Utah State, wasn't he? Getting a lot of, uh, getting a few mentions here for Alex Smith, who hasn't played but is still hoping to come back next year. And if you were Halloween, if you're on social media, there's a picture of his family there. and But you could see his leg, and it's like, there's still a lot of rehab to do there. It's still swollen, it's still, uh, still not good. So we'll see how it plays out for Alex Smith. This is all because uh, Taysom Hill making a couple more big plays on a key touchdown drive for the Saints. And Taysom actually came up in the Friday media availability uh, for the Utes. Uh, Francis Bernard was asked, um, when you look at uh, the Texas uh, quarterback, Sam Ellinger, on tape, who does he remind you of? And Francis Bernard said, Taysom Hill. He says he's got like a 
He's got an athletic ability mixed with some toughness and an attitude. And then somebody in the media was off camera, and I couldn't see who it was. I wasn't there. I, I saw the tape later. Uh, some, and I couldn't see who it was, but somebody giggled and said, that might not be the right name to throw around Texas. And so then that led to a lot of laughter, actually, because uh, obviously Francis Bernard, a BYU transfer, remembers quite well uh, you know, Taysom Hill lighting up Texas on a couple occasions and helping BYU get wins. But that was, I thought that was a unique comparison and not one I expected to hear right away. Something for the youths to keep their eye on here as they get ready for the Alamo Bowl. I think Taysom Hill has an iconic play in BYU history. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. That I think Taysom right. has an iconic play. I was down there for that game in Austin, and when he hurdled that dude, yep. I mean, that was that looked like uh, an Olympic runner running in, in hurdles. And just clearing that thing as if it was not a human being, but it was one of those things, the hurdles that they do in the races. It just looks so athletic. I mean, there's very few people could do that. And and then as you're running, you're running full speed, and then you hurdle the guy, and then you land, and you don't miss a beat. You, you continue to go full speed. It was such a sensational play that there are so few people in the history of the earth that could do that. And Hill did that running dead sprint, hurdles him, hits the ground, continues on a dead sprint. It was just so amazing. It was an unbelievable play. And they, they worked him that game, too. They worked him in Provo, and then they worked him in that game. I mean, that was just the athletic ability that it takes to do that is really amazing. There's few moments since I've been doing this for a long time that really wow me. And that was one of them. And it was more sticking the landing. That ability, the, the leaping was good, that, and there's no doubt, don't underrate that, but the fact that he did land, didn't break stride, didn't lose any of the speed, that was the part that made me right. think Olympic hurdler. You know, because obviously in the Olympics, you just got to go over them, and yeah. you got to have the flow and all that, and he had it. All right, coming up, the Utah Jazz. They're rolling. Can mm-hmm. they keep their momentum going five in a row? But they're playing a better team now. they got the Miami Heat coming up today. We will get to that next and uh, Quinn Snyder's options. He's discovered another one for the bench, but will he go back to it again? We'll get to that coming up next. Right now, Andrew joins us in studio. Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. They've got a new breakthrough treatment for ED. No pills, no needles, no surgery. And so I guess the question for guys is, okay, that sounds too good to be true. Yeah. We have a big disclaimer at the end that was written by lawyers because yeah. that's the part that scares people. <laughs> we all watch games. They're yeah. like, I want to put a clock on that sometime and see what's longer, the ad or the disclaimer. Or the disclaimer, yeah. Uh, and so, and if not, the treatments, how long does this take? How does this work? Good question. And and everybody asks that. So it must be too good to be true. No pill, no injection. I can fix my ED um, without any of that. This is the first thing that, that does it. It's called acoustic wave therapy. It uses a device, kind of looks like an ultrasound machine, basically placed on the skin, opens up the blood vessels naturally. So we see guys that come in that have had ED, in some cases, severely for a lot of years, um, and it opens up the blood vessels enough that they get back to normal function. They don't have to take the pill. Uh, and, and back to kind of your question, I have never seen a negative side effect. We're not messing with the hormones. We're not messing with a pill that's you know going throughout the body. There really is nothing. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. From testosterone to the pills, what are the complaints about the side effects you most often hear from guys? Because you probably hear those when they're asking about your side effects. Typically, guys 
come in and they've tried everything and dealt with the side effects, the headaches, the blurred vision, um, raising of blood pressure, dropping of blood pressure, all kinds of issues. And then it just flat out doesn't work for a lot of guys. They don't want to have to take a pill. They want natural spontaneity. Um, you know, if you're out there listening, you remember in your younger years when things worked in the bedroom like it it should you didn't have to think about it it just functioned that's what these treatments can restore 801-901-8000 is the number to call for wasatch medical clinic to get a free assessment with a medical doctor no obligation they're open six days a week 801-901-8000 andrew thanks a lot thank you